0: Friday night, fan pregame, 60-minute show to get you set for the weekend. We're kicking things off one day away from Blue Jays spring training. You heard that right. Uh, Tomorrow, 107 first pitch on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Buck Martinez, will join us shortly to set the stage for the start Of Blue Jays baseball.
1: Also tomorrow, an incredible slate for hockey night in Canada. We got Toronto, Colorado in the Hart Trophy Bowl. We got the Battle (laughs) of Alberta. We got the rematch of the 2011 Stanley Cup Final. Also on that night, to tee it up, the great Kyle Bukoskis will join us.
0: Raptors coming off a big win last night versus the Nets. Back-to-back again tonight versus Atlanta. That's on Sportsnet 1 at 7.30. We'll help preview that a little later in the show.
1: And, of course, we'll do best bets, and it features both our wheelhouses. We got the PWHL for you, and we got mm-hmm. NHL awards for me, specifically the Jack Adams thought and idea that I had.
0: We might have been busy putting some futures in before the show.
1: Yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a good pregame with a pregame today. It's
0: the trouble when we get here and we have time to kill. We get deep into the futures bets with Justin Cuthbert. So we'll share them with you because we love our listeners.
1: Uh, and we got deep into Blue Jays' talk on the eve of spring training or the, the, the start of action uh, more in earnest. Uh, and, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's a little lazy to go back to 2021, but I feel like I'm always drawn back there as this, like, not pivot point. but it's such just, a
0: wonderful time in our history of humans. Well, it was a pretty good time for Blue Jays baseball, <laughs> despite, <laughs> you know,
1: no success in you know the postseason. But uh, we digress. Uh, but I think in 2011 or 2021, excuse me, one thing that we saw were the franchise pillars, that being Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., supported in their own different ways, their mm. baseball baseball ethos, if you want to put it that way, where, yeah, Bo Bichette sees the game this way, and here are guys that also see it Bo Bichette's way. And at the same time, we got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who likes to play baseball this way and was supported that way, in his way of playing baseball. And I think we've seen... A little bit of a shift here recently where, hey, we moved, we went to Vlad and we moved away from Vlad last year. Now we're moving maybe closer and closer to Bo Bichette's way being the Blue Jays way. And I think the Justin Turner thing is just a part of that. Really, I think a lot of the moves were made to support Bo Bichette's baseball playing style or ethos, again, if you want to put it that way. But wouldn't the best way to operate this baseball team be to support both franchise pillars, again, where... Both of them are kind of not like placated in any way, but both sides, both viewpoints, both ways of playing baseball are tapped into and celebrated, and you want to make the most of both of them and their differing playing styles.
0: So, what would that look like to going back closer to supporting Vlad? If that, if your argument is that they're supporting Bo more, and I think we've seen, I'm not, I'm not, you know, disputing that, but I think even with the recent contract discussions. Bo's didn't get to the point that Vlad's did, so you start to think, well, maybe there's some different mm-hmm. level of belief in Vlad or a different level of pushback in Vlad, and I know they got rid of the barrio and they got rid of the jacket, and those seem to be more vlad things, and now we have Justin Turner on Blair and Barker saying, I mean, uh, well, Justin Turner getting the shout-out on Blair and Barker from Bo, and eventually he's a Toronto Blue Jay, and now we're seeing more quotes from, uh, from Bo Bichette being more of a vocal leader on the franchise. It does sometimes feel like They're going different directions. But I don't see that as like a negative. I think that's who Bo is. That's what Bo is strong at doing. Bo is like growing into a leader in his own form. And the best way that we see Vladdy growing to a leader of his own form isn't leading the scrums and isn't talking to the media. It's performing. So I think this year the biggest way to prove that Vlad is for real, that he's back, that he's serious is just being the best player on the team. And he wasn't that last year. Mm. So it's easy to see, like, maybe a fork in the road or maybe, you know, attention's going to one player or the other. But these two are also, like, tied together their entire upbringings, right? Oh, they are both got dads that were MLB players. They both have come in around the same age. They can both be faces of the franchise. But maybe it's best sometimes to eliminate Bo versus Vlad and Vlad versus Bo and, Bo and let them just be themselves.
1: And I think just to kind of support my point a little bit more, like I do believe they could be that way and have a very successful baseball team. Mm-hmm. Like again, if it weren't for a bullpen in twenty twenty one, yeah. I mean, maybe you've reached the peak form of the Toronto Blue Jays building around these two franchise pillars. I guess the easy answer would be, hey, bring back the barrio. Let Vladimir Grow Jr. have fun again. Maybe that's the key to unlocking him, but it's probably a chicken-the-egg thing where mm-hmm. if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is just tearing the cover off the ball. I think it would probably be pretty I think fun. he'd be happy, too. And I think everyone would be okay uh, in, in both sides of the equation. It is interesting, though, because it does seem like you've taken a little bit more from Vlad if you took a lot last year, and you've added more to Bo. And what's that saying about the direction? What's that saying about how you want to build the baseball team or what you want your identity, your culture to be? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's making a little bit too much of it. But I do think if we're looking at identity shifts, this this team has shifted to something that they want to be more serious. And I think that that sort of satisfies Bo Bichette a little bit more than it does Vladimir Gray Jr.
0: And I think something that Bo said just a couple of days ago in training uh, was that this is the first time they feel like people have doubted them. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're talking about identity shift, that's a really important realization for the Blue Jays, because not that they've had everything handed to them and, But the last couple of seasons, we've come on here excited for spring training, and it's been the Blue Jays are 1A, 1B favorites to win the World Series, and it doesn't feel that way. And sometimes that type of mentality shift might be good for a team to have a chip on your shoulder to say, all right, you doubt us, watch this, right? And not the movie, and this is the trailer, not that type of watching, but watch us prove you wrong. Uh, So that can be an interesting, you know, I guess, identity for the Blue Jays to have as this season begins. Uh, Let's bring in... Buck Martinez, Toronto Blue Jays TV analyst, joining us. Buck, uh, so great to have you back on the airwaves. Uh, what? How was your off-season?
2: My off-season was terrific. <laughs> I did a lot of traveling. My wife and I traveled all over the world. Basically, we had a great off-season.
0: Wow. I, I, where are the highlights of yeah, that? Where do favorite? we need to go? Yeah, where'd you
1: go?
2: <laughs> well, we went to the Eastern Caribbean for 14 days on a cruise. Uh, we went to the Bahamas for Christmas, and we went to Paris after Bahamas. Wow, that's a pretty,
1: that's a pretty good, <laughs> well uh, that's rested. a pretty good lineup. Uh, <laughs> and did you catch fish in every stop? I guess you're probably not doing that in Paris.
2: <laughs> no, not in Paris. Uh, we had a great trip in Paris. We loved that. Uh, it was a great time, and we got to see some of the Christmas market was still up when we got there.
0: Oh, well, that's lovely. I'm glad you had a refreshing off season because somehow we're already back into it. It feels like just yesterday we were wrapping up last season, but. Spring training, obviously, you're not going to get all your questions answered, but you probably have a few that you're hoping to get closer to knowing about this Toronto Blue Jays team. What's on the top of your, I need to learn this about this team as you go into the regular season?
2: Uh, Well, you know what? Pretty much they've got a set team already. I mean, there aren't many opportunities for this uh, team if you're trying to make the club. I mean, look at the starting rotation. Basically, they've got five guys already they can pencil in. Uh, including Alec Manoa, who looks pretty good, and everybody's pretty confident he's going to bounce back from a disappointing season a year ago. And then the bullpen, you know, how many spots are there in the bullpen? Maybe one. And there's a lot of talent trying to make that uh, last spot on the pitching staff. So it's an interesting spring. Competition generally results in a good team. And I think this is the best group of players they've had for a while now. Um, as far as the pitching staff. And then, you know, in the position, we got some questions. Who's going to play third? Who's going to play second? Uh, pretty much the outfield is set with Varsha, Kiermaier, and Springer. Uh, you know, Danny Jansen and Kirk are going to do the catching. Around the infield, it's going to be Lottie, And then question mark at second, it short, and question mark at third. But they certainly have some capable candidates, and we'll sort that out during the course of the spring.
1: Buck, what's the thing that gives you the most optimism about the 2024 Blue Jays?
2: The attitude. I think uh, I've noticed a distinct difference in the attitude from last spring to this spring. Uh, Very focused uh, from top to bottom. Uh, When a pitcher throws, the entire pitching staff, not just uh, 13 pitchers, the entire camp, all the pitchers are around watching each other throw and talking up uh, what they're doing. And uh, it's a great Mix uh, as far as the attitude and the, the temperament of the pitching staff, and that's spreading to the position players as well, something we haven't seen in the past. But, uh, you know, Justin Turner is going to make a big difference with his team. Uh, he's 39 years old, but he's coming off his best season a year ago. He drove in over 90 runs with the Red Sox, and he's going to bat cleanup on his team. Uh, a real pro, a real veteran. Uh, he's won a World Series. And, um, you know, and then to hear Bo stand up and say, I want to address the team to start spring training, that was a big step in the right direction. Uh, For a younger player, uh, yeah, he's been a good player, and he's been an everyday player, but for a young player to stand up at the start of spring and challenge everybody to be better, that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, we were just talking about Bo's leadership and how it seems like he's kind of stepped into a new role and new voice, at least uh, over this last week, and you talk about an attitude shift. Do you think that comes from the top down to the bottom, or does it work better when it's, from the players first, and then it trickle effects outside of that locker room, outside that clubhouse into the decision-making processes.
2: Well, you know, John Snyder did a terrific job in the off season, literally visiting with everybody on the roster, mm. uh, whether it was, uh, you know, traveling to see them or meeting them in Florida, and talked about the season a year ago and the unfortunate way it finished up and trying to uh, make sure everybody was on the right page, coming into camp ready to go, and I think that worked. But as far as Bo goes, uh, I spoke to him specifically about it today and actually I mentioned how proud I was of him to to take that position. You know, it's not easy, and there aren't many real leaders in the game. You know, they always you look at a round team, well, who's the leader of your team? Well, this guy's our star player, but he's not necessarily the leader. You know, a leader has to set the standard and perform every day. And once you announce that you want to be in that position – You hold yourself to a higher standard. And then when that happens, the rest of the team can call you out when you're not doing exactly what you had planned on doing. So I think they're in a good position because now it's up to the players to hold each other to a higher standard, and it's all about winning. One thing thing Bo told me today, and that was really interesting, he says, I think we're good enough to win, but I don't know, and I want to find out. Mm. So you find out by putting all your – Chips in the middle, and you go for it. And I think that's where they're at.
1: If there is a deficiency, uh, deficiency Buck, uh, what is it?
2: Now, it's it's third base, and uh, you know, not knowing who's going to play third base, and not knowing who's going to be the everyday second baseman. I mean, when you look at the team that's playing tomorrow, the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, they're coming off of uh, a disappointing season, and they have, uh, you know, they have a set lineup. You can look at their team right now and tell who's going to play in the nine positions on the field, and you know, I think that's what the Blue Jays want to get to, but they're not quite there yet. But, um, you know, those will sort things out. And, you know, tomorrow we're going to see Espinal at second. You're going to see uh, the team move around a little bit. And uh, Isaiah Kainofaleva is going to start at third base. And then uh, Allison Barge is going to come in and play. You're going to see Aurelvis Martinez still in the second base after Espinal is out of the game. Um, You know, we were supposed to see Ricky Tiedemann, but he's not going to pitch. He felt a little hamstring today running around the field, but I I don't think it's anything serious. And we're going to see another prospect, a name that you should get familiar with, in Chad Dallas. So, you know, uh, this is the first day of spring. If it was uh, the 24th of March, I might be concerned Mm -hmm. about Ricky Tiedemann, but I'm not concerned right now
0: we chatting with Buck Martinez, uh, Toronto Blue Jays analyst here at Sportsnet. So we have an offensive coordinator now, and this is not the NFL, but Don Mattingly stepped into a bit of a new role um, on the, aside the title of being a bench, uh, bench coach as well, besides also growing a, a really wonderful beard. He looks like a different guy. Um, I wonder for you, what, what, what's different in that role? Is it a title change? Is there some way that we'll be able to see some of the specifics that Don Mattingly will be helping this Blue Jays team with differently than last year?
2: I think the thing that you'll be able to see once the season starts is Mattingly, when the team is uh, at the plate, he'll be talking to the individual hitters before they come to the plate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the past, he hasn't been able to do that because he's had to worry about defense and he had to worry about the running game of the opposition. So now, uh, the Blue Jays also have an assistant manager in DeMar O'Hale. So he will serve a more traditional bench. Coach role, and Donnie will truly be an offensive coordinator where he's going to challenge the players, okay, what's your game plan? What are you going to do against this guy? What's his strength? Do you want to hit his strength, or do you want to stay with your strength? All of those things that Donnie thought of as a hitter when he was playing. and He was one of the best in the game in his career, but all those things that that kids forget about, and, you know, I'm just going to go up and get a hit. Well, what gives you the best chance to get a hit? looking for your pitch in your zone and not trying to hit the pitcher's strength. So, you know, there are very few pitchers in baseball that can make three perfect pitches in a particular at-bat. So you have to be patient enough and trust yourself enough to wait for that one pitch you can hit hard. And you're going to hear this word a lot this year. Donnie has referred to it an awful lot. Get a pitch that you can do some damage with. And he doesn't mean hit a home run, but he means being a productive hitter that's going to drive in some runs.
1: So, Buck, you mentioned a candid conversation or a candid comment there from uh, Bo Bichette. I mean, I- I'm sure you're having a lot of interesting com- conversations down there in Dunedin, and I think one of the major talking points would be Alec Manoa coming back with a beard, a little bit more hair, and it looks like he's well, ready to beard. go uh, this season uh, in your conversations. What have you learned about what Alec Manoa was up to over the offseason?
2: Well, he's in good shape. There's no question about it. He was in, not in good shape at the start of the season last year, and I think that caused him problems the whole season. And... uh the biggest thing that I've taken out of conversations with Alec is he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. He's the same outgoing, happy-go-lucky guy, but he's focused. When he works, he works really hard. And he works for the purpose of being a good starting pitcher. And he told me today, I want to be better than I was before when referring to his season three years ago. So, you know, there, there was a concern I had that, you know, given the way the season developed for him – you know, he was reluctant to go to the minors. He got sent down a couple of different times. And I thought he might come into camp a little bitter and a little chip on his shoulder. That's not been the case at all. He's terrific. He's got that great personality back again. He got married in Puerto Rico in the offseason. He's in a good spot mentally. He's in a good spot physically. Now he's got to get himself ready to pitch again. And I think he's in a good spot to do that.
1: They tell us never to judge a book by its cover, uh, but when you're at spring training and baseball players are filtering into into camp, is that kind of a safe thing to do? Like not just physical attributes, but their demeanor, everything that goes into, I guess, creating a cover, uh, a baseball player's cover, is it telling a lot about not just what they're going to give at spring training, but the entire season?
2: Yeah, it sure is. And you know what, it, it's so easy and, and you know, you got to, I don't know how long I've been doing this, but you've got to really be patient to make judgments and decide on what you think you see early in spring training. Everybody's enthusiastic right now. Everybody wants to play a game, and everybody's in the best shape of their life. It's something we hear every single day. Well, you know, we've got a lot of games, probably 30 games here in the spring before they start against Tampa Bay on the 28th of March. But you're right. It, it's all about the quality of work. And, and John Snyder... And the coaching staff has been very pleased at this point with the effort, the focus, and the concentration they have going into their drills and doing everything and doing things with a purpose. You know, there was a time when you watched teams just go through the motions. Okay, we're going to take ground balls. Okay, let's get rid of that. Okay, now we're going to run the bases. Okay, let's get rid of that. When I watched the Blue Jays this spring, they're they're doing everything with a focus and a commitment to – not making mistakes. Cleaning up the little things is a phrase you hear a lot. We're trying to clean up a little, the little things that cost you games. And I, I think they're doing a good job of that.
0: Uh, Buck, George Springer was obviously a discussion point a lot last season. He's going into his 35th year. In September, he'll be turning 35. I wonder for you what... What is needed from George Springer when we talk about this offense um, and this team? We got Bo, we got Vlad, and he often gets slotted in third in terms of just discussion about uh, players that need to make an impact this year. What are you expecting from George Springer?
2: Um, You know, again, this is a guy that's uh, always upbeat. He's, uh, you know, one of those guys that keeps everybody loose, but he knows what he has to do. And he's lockered right next to Justin Turner. And I think that's a big thing. I think George at times felt like he had to carry the offense because he was the senior player and he was a guy that had won a World Series before. And, and I think one thing that happened with his team last year, you know, they got off to a decent start, but they were just a game over 500 when June 1st rolled around. And I think everybody was waiting around saying, okay, well, they're going to turn it on soon. Okay, well, they're going to turn it on next week. Okay, well, they'll turn it on next month. Well, they never did. And I think now... The pitchers are speaking up. The younger players are speaking up, saying, we're going to hold each other accountable to be ready when the bell rings in Tampa Bay on the 28th of March, and we're here to win the World Series. I mean, that's a a, a theme that you hear over and over again. They're not boasting it. They're not talking about it. They're not uh, calling out other teams. They're saying this is an internal thing that we have to have accountability among ourselves not from the coaching staff, not from the manager, not from the front office, but among the players, and I think that's invaluable.
1: Uh, last one for you, Buck, and we appreciate you being generous with your time. Uh, spring training games are begin tomorrow, uh, and it'll be a great chance to watch not just the major leaguers, but those who might be pushing to be on this club. But give us one name of a guy that Blue Jays fans should key into, be aware of, and, and track their progress uh, throughout spring training.
2: Arovis uh, Martinez. He's going to pick up uh, es- uh, Espinel tomorrow at second base. He's just 22, but he's got big-time power. Last year, he didn't uh, ha- miss a beat when he went up to A. He had 28 home runs and drove in 94 runs last year, and he's just a baby. But he's got a good face. That was a phrase that you used to hear from the scouts all the time. He's got a good face, which means he's always focused. He's got a smile on his face. He loves to play baseball, much along the lines of Laddie. But I think he's somebody to keep your eye on. There's a lot of good young players. We're going to see a bunch of them tomorrow. Rafael Lantigua is going to play in left field after Cam Eden. But uh, the pitchers, the Dallas Chad Dallas, as I mentioned, and uh, Ariel Rodriguez, the Cuban player, he's very special. He is going to have an impact on this team this year.
0: Lots to look forward to uh, tomorrow. First pitch 107 for the start of spring training. Buck, we appreciate your time. And thanks so much for, for all the insight. And I'm glad you had a, a wonderful offseason because you're right back in the swing of things
2: soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. We'll talk again.
0: Yes. Thanks so much, Buck. Uh, that's Buck Martinez, of course, of Sportsnet Toronto Blue Jays TV analyst. It's exciting to hear Buck's voice because you know spring training oh, yeah. is right around the corner. I have a, a, a tweet to share uh, that I, I was going to ask Buck, but I didn't want him to be like, Oh, boy, because it's kind of it's – a, it's, a, it's like a humbling thought. Okay. Uh, so, uh, BKUH on Twitter, quote, there will be only 26 days without Blue Jays baseball between tomorrow and September 29th. Only 26 days with no baseball, and it all starts tomorrow.
1: I'm trying to do the math very quickly. What is that, six months? That's a lot of months, 26 folks. days off. Hope no. you're ready. I mean, uh, yeah, this Blue, <laughs> this Blue Jays season – feels a little different, right? It feels, mm-hmm. it doesn't have that expectation in terms of, well, you guys are World Series favorites, right? It's a little bit different. But I think that, you know, that might look good on this team yeah. in some ways. And uh, yeah, who could not be excited about Blue Jays baseball starting? Who could not be excited about the grind of the Blue Jays summer? Uh, it's gonna be great. I love what he said about Elvis Martinez mm-hmm. and how he plays like Vladdy. Because we were just talking about mm-hmm. the two different avenues, the two different streams with which this franchise is built on. And we're talking about a lot of Beau Bichette stuff, a lot of support for the Beau Bichette style. Well, maybe if Relvis Martinez makes that jump, maybe that supports Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in ways that uh, he hasn't been, or it doesn't look like he will be based on what we know right now. So that's an interesting point for Buck.
0: All right, Phillies and the Jays tomorrow, 107 first pitch. We got that on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Um, okay, let's take a look at some quick best bets before we take a break and talk to Kyle Bukaskas to set up uh, tonight and tomorrow, uh, which is big hockey slate. Uh, PWHL Toronto, I have uh, as our favorite for tonight. They are red hot. We talked to Spooner, we talked to mm-hmm. Nurse. It's a PWHL Toronto show as of now. I gotta get some Montreal gals on. Uh, but it's been a pretty good stretch for them. The, the month of February has been very generous to them. They're at home tonight hosting New York. Uh, I have them just straight up on the money line, but if you want to get spicy, you can bet them in the 60-minute line, which is plus money.
1: Okay. Maybe the puck line, too? Toronto uh, every which way? Let's not get
0: greedy here. The goal, Toronto every which way? I'm just saying, it's usually like Three, two games, one, nothing games. Puck line, you know, we're still an squad here, remember? Okay,
1: that's fair. Uh, So, PWHL Toronto tonight. Okay, so I mentioned, uh, talk about the Jack Adams Award. Mm. Uh, The Vancouver Canucks have hit a bit of a speed bump for the first time all season. Uh, They hadn't lost two in a row uh, until this point. Now they're suddenly on a four-game losing streak. I think Rick Tockett wins the Jack Adams. If either, if, if Vancouver wins the division, I think that's a lock. But suddenly with Edmonton playing so well, Vegas, maybe not so much. But the LA Kings still an outside shot to win the division. So I think there's a chance that if Vancouver falls, someone's going to be there to catch them. And if they do, and if the Philadelphia Flyers make the playoffs, it'll be hard to argue that anyone did a better job coaching a hockey team because the Flyers have very little talent mm. than John Tortorella. True. So if I think we're trying to like get ahead of a move, if Vancouver falls back a little bit, and we looked at the schedule today in March, mm-hmm. it ain't easy. Mm-hmm. So Vancouver falls back, who's there to sort of pick up the pieces? Because if they don't win the division and Quinn Hughes wins the Norris Trophy, uh, like are, are we going to be giving all the awards to the Vancouver Canucks or are we going to reserve one for they the They did all come
0: to the players? All-Star game. Maybe that they was did enough all- for them.
1: They did all come to the All-Star <laughs> game. I think John Tortorella could scoop this thing up. to right now. And really, I think that's a bet on Vancouver not winning the division.
0: All right. We'll keep the hockey talk going on the other side of the break. Kyle Bukaskis will join us. Uh, Hockey Night Canada tomorrow is stacked. Leafs, Avs, Bruins, Canucks, Flames, Oilers, Battle of Alberta. On the network later tonight, Buffalo, Columbus, uh, and more. All that to come on the fan pregame on the other side of the break
1: unrivaled insight analysis and opinions on all things blue jays blair and barker be sure to subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your
3: podcasts
0: We're back on the fan pregame, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan a little later on the evening, Buffalo and Columbus on Sportsnet at 7 p.m. Toronto Raptors and Atlanta Hawks at 7.30 p.m. on Sportsnet 1. They are on a back-to-back after a pretty massive win last night against the Nets. Just a team one spot ahead of them in the standings. We got the Hawks tonight, a team two spots ahead of them in the standings. You know, these are teams that if you're talking about the play in, you know, this is those are the teams just ahead of you. So it's an interesting type of reflection point for Raptors if they can get a win against the Hawks. They're kind of right back in it.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, two different teams, but kind of the same level, right? Like mm. they're, there's this little pocket here, I think the Pacers are after, where you're kind of playing teams in your own mid-league. <laughs> they're in your own kind it's of little, little quadrant, mid-land. if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And I do think, albeit like, yeah, you're playing – mid-competition, and it's not for really anything, if we're talking about grading these players and where they're going and can meaningful combinations and groupings and pairings emerge, like, this is kind of where you'd want to see it against competition that is well, similar, and similarly mid, I guess.
0: Yeah, Raptors, uh, eight point dogs tonight against the Hawks. Well, they are on the back to back back and um, Hawks are a little ahead of them in the standings. uh, just four wins ahead. Uh, We'll talk maybe a little bit more Raptors if we have time at the end of the show, but let's bring in our second guest of the night. Kyle Bukoskis joining us, of course, NHL ringside reporter and on Leafs and abs tomorrow. What's up, Kyle? How's it going?
3: Hey, good gang. Good to be on with you. Can I get your opinion on something
0: here? Gladly. Anytime.
3: (laughs) So, we're at the hotel here in Denver. I was having breakfast this morning, uh, buffet style, right? So a communal toaster, we're talking. Mm. Uh, and I wanted a, one piece of toast, just one. So I, I put the bread in uh, in one of the two slots, uh, pushed the lever down, and then to make the most of my time in between, you know, I walked away, got some orange juice, uh, some cutlery, and I come back and and someone's put half a bagel in the other slot. And now my thinking is, mm. so did this person... Just stuff it in and Interrupt like ride yours? the coattails of yeah the the, mm. the system uh, that I had already started, or did like they pop it up, put theirs in, and then start the cycle all over again? Therefore, toasting my bread more than I wanted it to be, um, and my equilibrium has been off ever since. Like uh, to take a page out of Tim and Sid, cut or uncut. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, how was the bread when you got it out? Was it overdone? Was it perfect? So-
3: this is the thing uh, part of it was a little overdone and and the other was like okay so I don't know if that's like the internal heating components that are a little bit off that had nothing to do yeah. with what ended up happening I think the that more about the, the toaster I
1: go back <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly I, I mean I think that's a fascinating exactly. question but jamming uh, one half of a bagel in someone else's toaster is, uh, it's is, is, is is cut <laughs> for me like you can't you can't be doing that yeah,
3: and I avoid conflict at all costs, so <laughs> I think I saw the guy who did it, but I was not about to go up to him and be like, can you explain this to me here, sir? It was Chris uh, Cuthbert, wasn't it. It? <laughs> yeah, it?
1: probably was.
3: <laughs> no, I think he was still basking in the Arizona sun, I think. He's, mm. he's, wow. Uh, I don't know if he's, uh, he must scoop. be here now, but uh Yeah. Yeah, I think he took the extra day there, as he should.
1: (laughs) Okay, so you guys will both be involved in an elite Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow. Uh, You guys have already done, I believe, in a 7 p.m. or the first game of Hockey Night in Canada, Leafs and uh, Avalanche this season. But not with the same storylines. All of a sudden, two Hart Trophy contenders have emerged, one on each side with one scoring at a ridiculous rate and one just dominating at home, picking up a point in every single game so far I guess a two-part question a is this the perfect hockey night in Canada matchup and b what season has been more impressive to you so far oh jeez,
3: yeah so let's start me out easy here uh yeah this is this is pretty close to to perfect yeah I don't know if you'll you'll ever find perfection but, but this isn't uh half bad I I, I love coming in and doing games here and, and in part because uh Nathan McKinnon's here McCarr McCarr's here like it's just such a fun team to watch and you juxtapose that against the the role that, that the Leafs and Austin Matthews are on. Uh, this is this is pretty sweet. So who's been, I, I don't know, I guess uh, from a consistency standpoint, like you, you've got to go with, with Nate, right? Like you mentioned a, a point in every home game. So they've had 27 home games. He's had 18 multi-point games here out of the 27. He's had two four-goal games here. Uh, it's just been ridiculous what he's been doing at Ball Arena this year. Um, but I also understand... The point of the sport of hockey is, is to score goals, and nobody's doing that better than than Austin Matthews right now. Um, I think we're we're seeing like a, a historic pace here uh, for for him, as as we all know. Um, it's 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 tough to like the the Hart Trophy conversation and, and discourse is going to be really fascinating here down the stretch because you've still got you know Nikita Kucherov down in Tampa doing his thing, and even though the team's struggling, um, and you think about some of the other names that were you know in the mix early on. Um, which kind of raises another uh, conversation <laughs> about how early should the, the Hart trophy conversation truly start uh, in a, in a season. But um, you know, for me right now, I think from a consistent basis, it's, it's tough to go against uh, McKinnon, McKinnon, But um, if, if Matthews continues this rate and there's nothing to consider that he has any interest in slowing down, um, you know, come a, a month from now, Six weeks from now, uh, the conversation may be a little different.
0: And then there's always Connor McDavid looming in the shadows. And all he needs is another hot yeah, streak. Right. And then we've got to split this Hart Trophy into like four pieces and hand it out, and that's fairness there. Um, if we just talk about Matthews' goal scoring himself and what he's been able to do, specifically over this stretch where the Maple Leafs were facing a little bit of adversity. He didn't have all their players. Some people were sick. Some people were suspended. You're trying to contextualize Matthews' goal scoring season, do you have a word or do you have a... An adjective, a phrase, because if it's not heart trophy, we won't make you say that. What is it?
3: Yeah, it's just ah, uh, like it's, it is. Speechless. Uh, it's it's out of this world. Like it's, it's yeah. Like I, I I haven't. I mean, I from from where I I grew up, like you know the 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 era I grew up watching. Like I I didn't see this right. Like you know the, the Lemieux at, at the peak of his powers, and Gretzky was a little bit before before my time. Um, I mean, you know, we have watched Alex Ovechkin do his thing for for so many years, but um, just the sheer volume of of goals that he's putting up here in in, in a short span uh, is just it's it's something unlike I've, I've ever seen. And I thought, um, you know, our, our our crew there in Arizona on Wednesday night for for those that that watched did did a really neat piece of video there, just showing the distance from from the goal line on his one timer side, like how many goals he scored this year in in that area where it's like a sharp angle in a lot of cases i don't know how many people would think you know shooting threat uh when they're in that spot on, on the ice and and he's done it not just once but a few times and it was fitting that like his 50th was was scored over there uh as well so the fact that he's utilizing you know his one timer um we're just seeing him scoring in a bunch of different ways like uh it just it seems like every year that he's had big offensive product i mean he's a you know, perennial forty goal guy, and I think if you went kind of season to season and look at you know where the heat maps are, where on the ice he's scoring from, they kind of change year to year as he's kind of figuring out different ways to to find open ice and, and to keep defenders guessing and goaltenders guessing. Um, it's just been so so fun to watch to to see the the creativity in, in his mind in finding different different ways to score and 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 make it look you know relatively automatic. And and there's there's certainly no fluke by and there's there's a process with behind everything he does and that makes it all the more impressive I think
1: yeah I don't know if you earned a perfect Mad Lib score there but I think you nailed it I mean all three <laughs> of us we ha- we didn't we have all lived through the greatest maybe the greatest goal scorer of all times heyday like his entire career Alexander Ovechkin we all understand what he's done and how he became the greatest goal scorer ever and yet he never did or hasn't done what Matthews is doing mm-hmm. right now and that says uh, so much about what Ma- Austin Matthews is doing and so much about how maybe generations are, are sort of being blurred here just a little bit, where it's a throwback to a previous era when goal scoring and the, the ceilings on goal scoring uh, wasn't as firm, I, I suppose. Uh, the Maple Leafs on a six-game winning streak. They won five without Morgan Riley. They win on a second and a half of a back-to-back in Vegas last night. In some ways, have the Maple Leafs forced Brad Trelliving's hand just a little bit here with a really quality run of play about a week before or two weeks before the trade deadline.
3: You got to think that, yeah, the the tone of the conversations have to change a little bit in that, that Maple Leafs front office, right? Um, We've heard Elliot talk about like, they're, they're really not interested in giving up a a first round pick for, for a rental. But, you know, I, I do believe um, so long as you've got this group together um, you know maybe you're not pushing all of your chips into the the center of the table every year um, but you at least got to be in in that mindset of um, you know how can we at least make little tweaks and improvement at the very least uh, to try to get ourselves in the best position possible come come playoff time and you know mention out Al- I thought the 2018 Washington Capitals run was such an, an eye opener for for myself because you think about all the years for them. It wasn't the first round; it was the second round that they couldn't get past season after season. And people were calling for this ain't the group to do it. You've got to get rid of somebody, whether it's a Backstrom or a John Carlson. Like something about that core has got to shake up, and they kept it together. And even if you go back and look through that year, like it wasn't a perfect regular season for them, especially considered to, to years past. Um, but they, they get into the playoffs and, and things start to, to click. They made – uh, Michael Kempney was their big deadline acquisition. He ended up being a, a perfect fit there in, in their top four and, and played um, a, a far more significant role in, in their run to the cup than many many envisioned. So um, that was just a, a great reminder for me that if, if you've got a, a group of, of elite players there and as an organization you you believe that uh, you, you can win with them uh, one way or another – um, you've got to continue to give them, you know, opportunities to do so, even if you know the disappointing seasons before it uh, have have racked up and, and have have done a, a number on on your heart rate and and, and all of that stuff. So um, I, I, I yeah, how how much can they can they afford to, to give up to to make their team better here now? Um, I I don't have the answer to that, but but I, I do believe that the, the the tone of the conversation, as I say, is, has has got to change at least a, a little bit. There, I imagine it would. Um, on top of already thinking, all right. We we believe we're we're a playoff team, and, and so long as we've got this group together, we we've got to at least give them a, a chance to to go deep in the playoffs, even though they haven't done it yet.
0: Another game at seven PM tomorrow, so perfect split screen viewing. You got Leafs and Abs, you got Bruins and Canucks, uh, both teams tied for the top of the NHL standings with 80 points going head-to-head. But Canucks have kind of been a little bit less inspiring maybe of late. They're on a four-game losing streak, but you still see them uh, lead, almost leading the league in every other category. Has your confidence wavered at all with the Vancouver Canucks? Is this just a part of, like, natural pause of, okay, they were the team that everyone had written on the Stanley Cup a little earlier. Let's just take a breath and see. Uh, but these two going head-to-head, I wonder if you've seen anything a little bit less inspiring from Vancouver as of late.
3: No, not enough to be overly concerned. Like I, Again, you, you mentioned the Bruins. They've gone through ruts this year where they've kind of had to, to look themselves in the mirror. It hasn't been easy at times. The Rangers have, have gone through it dallas and even you know colorado here that road trip coming out of the all-star break was uh incredibly disheartening for them mm-hmm. um yet they they still think that they're they're good teams and, and we should all believe that they are a good teams. so i think vancouver is just it's it's their turn to, to kind of go through it and um you know all year we kind of wondered if you know was it just a hot start were they going to mm-hmm. fizzle and um, I, I don 't believe this is the, the start of a, a real downturn here, but um, you know I was I was on Vancouver radio there yesterday, and I just thought that that line that that Rick Tocket had, had I think it was after the Colorado game this week about you know the, the heat's only going to get hotter from here um, it's just a, a great reminder that the the, the points become um, a little more magnified uh, as do the the games and and trying to get yourself to be playing the, the best version of, of hockey that you can um, at the most important time of the year. Um, you know, this is a team that, that hasn't really dealt with that uh, here much you know outside of kind of the, the one-off bubble run there in, in 2020 um, so it's it's a great learning experience I think for a lot of those guys but um, it, it was clear like when they came through through eastern Canada early on in the season um, you just got a, a real sense from from those players that have been around that organization for a long time now that that enough is is enough so um, I, I I do believe you know, as they go through a, a little bout of, of adversity here after such so many wonderful moments this, this season, uh, I don't think that that group is, is simply going to roll over and say, well, we, we can't find our way out of it. I think there's there's some answers to come there yet out of the West Coast.
1: So it could be the perfect 7 p.m. matchup on Hockey Night in Canada, pretty good uh, secondary 7 p.m. I game. How do you choose? As you mentioned, <laughs> the uh, good thing is you don't have to choose uh, for the 10 p.m. game. Uh, Flames and Oilers, Battle of Alberta, mm-hmm. It's an interesting one because clearly these two teams are in different uh, spots right now, but both might be very or heavily featured ahead of the trade Mm -hmm. deadline. Uh, We know the flames are going to be the busiest buyer. At least we think uh, among Canadian teams, is it safe to say that Edmonton Oilers should be the most aggressive buyer?
3: Yeah, I, I think, man, it's, it's, uh, the way they've gotten themselves back, back into the mix here, um, you know, like you know, similar to to some other situations we talked about here over the last ten minutes, um, you've you've got some elite players that again you've got to give them a, a chance to to make a, a run at this. So um, yeah, I, I, in terms of where where they're going to end up targeting, like you know, Stuart Skinner had such a wonderful run there for for a while. How do they feel about their goaltending ultimately? And even like a Calvin Picker has given them a number of, of good starts. Um, you know, where do they prioritize things here? But um, they, they haven't been been afraid to, to do things in, in the past. Um, you know, it certainly seems like a number of teams in, in the West could be uh, doing some some buying here between now and, and a couple of weeks from now here. So uh, I think the, the Oilers don't want to be uh, caught empty-handed. And so between them and... Um, you know, I put even you know here in Colorado in, in the mix and uh, some other teams as well I mean, we 've seen Vancouver do some moves throughout the season um, I, I expect them to be to be pretty aggressive here you 're right because uh, they 've done an incredible job to get themselves back into the into the mix and be a, a serious threat um, but it 's always been about you know, finding the right complements. You know, beyond when 97 and, and 29 and, and 18 are, are on the ice uh, to to be able to sustain themselves, but that's where they ended up running into. You know, against Colorado here a couple of years ago in the conference mm-hmm. final when they got swept. Like they just didn't have the depth to match them. Um, and I think you know, ever since then, it's about trying to find for them. You know, the the right combination of uh, 20 skaters or 18 skaters and two goalies uh, that that will allow them to go toe to toe with with those teams later on in the postseason.
1: I'm glad you brought up that series because I was going to ask you uh, about your uh, the barometer that you get last year covering the playoffs all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Of course, you would have been on the Leafs and the Panthers in the second round last year and you would have missed, at least up close and personal, Vegas and the Oilers. But when you track a team like Vegas to the Stanley Cup final and you see a Stanley Cup champion awarded, Right in front of your eyes. Do you kind of use that as the barometer going forward when you're thinking about teams this year? Like what Vegas did, what Vegas had to do, what Vegas had to be to win last year. Do you kind of use that to bounce your opinion on teams off the the sort of standard that Vegas set last year?
3: Yeah, it's it's funny. I actually was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. I was I, so I live in Ottawa, and I was listening to to Jacques Martin actually during a press conference, and it it sparked my mi- mind a little bit. Like you think about. You know, we we in the era we're in now. Like the game's never been faster. It's never been more skilled. The offense is is, is ticking up again, seems season over season as as a whole. And yet, when when it comes down to the games that that matter, in the postseason, um, it's all about: can you check? Are you deep enough? Can you defend? And and do you have enough enough size? Uh, and and obviously can you get a little bit of luck uh, along with it and and good goaltending there too like that's been the case for for decades right as much as the game has evolved um come playoff time it seems like uh, there's a lot of similarities that carry over year to year like the the blue line that vegas had last year were so big that they it was so hard to get to their net i think of you know when tampa went back to back they had similar characteristics just flat out hard to play against. Um, and then even Colorado too, their, their depth was, was so, so uh, strong for them. Um, and, and, you know, th- and there's some cases there where even like Vegas cycled through goalies, uh, you know, Colorado, with all due respect to Darcy Kemper, who, who did very well for them on their run, but he missed some time with injury over the course of that playoffs too. You remember they had to juggle things in their net, mm-hmm. um, but they were so complete from the blue line on out they were able to to withstand that, so I think like as much as we hear about copycat league, um, you know, if you look back over the course of the the Stanley Cup winners from from year to year, um, things are, are pretty similar uh, over the course of uh, an extended period of time. Even though the the game has evolved so much uh, within that time.
0: All right, Kyle, we'll let you go. But if you see Ridley Greg around the Ottawa streets, you just let him uh, know we say thanks for saving the Leafs' season. All right. <laughs>
3: It's crazy how that's happened, eh? Yeah. Uh, they even put a I statue will. of him yeah.
0: here at uh, Scotch Arena. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's right. He'll be the next uh, installment on Legends There so. you go. Uh,
0: thanks, Kyle. Uh, yeah. I appreciate your time, and be careful around the toasters tomorrow. You might have to, you know, sharpen those elbows up. Elbows up, up yeah. Just
3: yeah. <laughs> saying, so, yeah, we're full on tomorrow. I'll be ready. Uh,
0: good luck. Thanks, thanks Kyle. Thanks. Uh, Kyle Bukowskis, of course, will be on Leafs' abs tomorrow, our ringside reporter for Sportsnet. Uh, great day of viewing tomorrow. Great yeah. night. Everything's going to be a good weekend, folks.
1: I think uh, I, I just kind of it sparks my you know memory thinking about Colorado, thinking about Vegas last year, thinking about Edmonton's experience versus both those teams, the Oilers losing to the eventual Stanley Cup champions in back-to-back years, and how much it might benefit them to actually have experienced what the best feels like, mm-hmm. looks like, how it operates in back-to-back years. How have that they could changed be. their
0: team, though, in any way, I, other than adding Corey Perry?
1: I think they have. I mean, like he was talking about a big, and, and I guess it hasn't changed this year, but he's talking about a big defensive corpse mm-hmm. that make it so impossibly difficult to get to the net and get high-scoring looks. Well, the, Vegas, or the Edmonton Oilers have a monstrous defense mm-hmm. corps. maybe not as talented as Vegas, maybe not as mobile as Colorado, but still, I, I think they can make it difficult when push comes to shove. I do think they're a team that's more comfortable in close games. Although, so they just started scoring a bunch of goals uh, recently. Scored, uh, I guess, eleven goals combined in the loss to Boston in overtime uh, a couple days ago. But I feel like this Oilers team is going to be benefited greatly by feeling what Colorado and Vegas felt like the last two seasons. I think that's an advantage not many teams get. And what are we exactly? And this this league has a history of teams learning. From the 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 team that was better than them before, like the Oilers and Islanders, like that. There's just like through the history, through the, the Leafs annals and of history, and, uh, something probably happened in uh, the 60s, the right? Leafs
0: and who?
1: Yeah, the Leafs should have just around. tried to. I was, I should have just around. tried
0: to be the Bruins, like every year that would never happen.
1: And uh, yeah, maybe that didn't help them so much, right? Even though the stakes were a little lower, being at first round. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that the Oilers have that experience advantage over other teams.
0: I was looking up some thoughts on the Battle of Alberta because it's one of the best uh, best rivalries in sport. But Edmonton's won 10 of the last 14 Battles of Alberta.
1: Does that date back to the playoff series or just regular season? I don't know. I don't have all that information. Cuz they thumped them in the playoffs a couple of years so ago. So then maybe that's part of it. I guess it wasn't a full-on beatdown, but it was But
0: those games are five or six games? Those are those are so much fun. They're the best. I think if if I had to pick a, a hot ticket, you just, gotta, you just get to go watch a game. That's got to be up there for me. I mean, maybe not this season so far, but was it two years ago when they had the, the playoff rivalry? Was that last year or two years ago? I don't even remember. Two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. Those were must-attend sporting events. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Edmonton's obviously taken the upper edge clearly in the last couple of years, but there's just like blood, sweat, and tears it's buffoonery. It's like being in a saloon out in <laughs> Canmore. They probably don't even have saloons. they got to pick, like, Medicine Hat. They have, definitely have saloons. They might saloons. have saloons in Canmore. Nah, it's, it's, now it's too commercial.
1: It's gentrified now. Yeah, in Canmore. it's gentrified. There's okay. no
0: saloons. I'll be in Canmore next weekend. I, 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 I will I look for say, a saloon.
1: Yeah, you can find, you can find Eilish in a saloon in I'm Canmore. I'm going to Canmore next, slash weekends. Banff next weekend. Uh, Send me
0: your saloon options
1: if there are saloons. Uh, we need to know. <laughs> I, I think yeah. If I if I could choose one ticket, Battle of Alberta with stakes.
0: Oh, unreal!
1: Because yeah, I'd like to be in Vegas. Be fun to watch, you know. Yeah, but Toronto what are the stakes? Unless Edmonton it's the Stanley whatever. Cup
0: final, and there still wasn't really.
1: I think just like if it's a regular season game, mm-hmm. and Edmonton and Calgary are both good and maybe playing for something, yeah. playing for some sort of seating down the stretch. How fun it would be to be in the seats in that game!
0: Mm-hmm. That's I, I
1: don't know if there's much of a comparison.
0: Leafs, Habs, Bell Center, Saturday night when they both are good.
1: Same stakes, yeah. Like if, if there was something like right now, maybe not as much. No,
0: I mean both teams have to be good for this to mean something. I don't know. I, I think that's the end of my list. Those are that's in Madison
1: Square Garden. But like, do they have the natural team that it's like, no. yeah, you got to be there for that.
0: No, that's we just nailed it. All okay. Canadian teams too. Hmm. Hockey is Canada's game.
1: Not the Battle of Ontario for you, eh? Uh,
0: maybe when they're both good. Only when
1: Ridley Gregg's playing.
0: Yeah, that was funny. Um, I will be at not the Bell Center, but at PWHL Montreal game tomorrow. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see their atmosphere because last weekend they sold out at ten thousand plus um, at. Bell Place, they're teasing, hint hint, wink wink, nudge nudge, that they might get a game at the Bell Center this year.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong. Bell Center bigger than the Scotiabank Arena? Like they could set the record if they need to, if they yeah, so I think choose so. To? Yeah,
0: Bell Center capacity, uh, yeah, twenty one thousand. So mm-hmm. that I think, and then my perfect non insider, but friends talking to me, not insidery.
1: You're conversing with people that
0: they're maybe going to do that for their very last regular season game break the record. See you next year.
1: Not that I want this to happen, but like when when it's like about breaking the record and then there's pressure like to sell like if oh, you're not they, getting it done. I know they will, but like the first team that puts themselves out there well, and that's doesn't get you it done have to end it this they're year. going to be done forever. next
0: year we'll just let things happen. So
1: just Montreal is going to have the record
0: then. Yeah, that's, I think I'm okay. Cuz they
1: got the bigger building.
0: I'll be there. I hope. Be sweet. Anyway, we got a, a big weekend ahead. Tomorrow's hockey nine Canada games are going to be amazing. Tonight you got Raptors and Hawks. They are in about thirty minutes up on Sportsnet One. Buffalo and Columbus seven p.m. across uh, Sportsnet. Anything exciting for you this weekend, Justin?
1: Anything exciting me? (laughs) Toast. Toasting. I so, think that's South what, Africa golf we're betting yeah, on? Yeah,
0: actually, that's kind of the We got it all. We're running the gamut. Us. Yeah, we're, we probably shouldn't talk about we're that. We're in the, what is it, the Magical Kenya Open? Yeah,
1: Magical Kenya if Open. If you need
0: Magical Kenya Open picks, Justin has them.
1: This might be a quiet weekend where we really start to ramp it up. I like that. Soon, because we got a lot of big events
0: coming. Yeah, Blue Jays baseball back tomorrow. 107 first pitch. Sportsnet is Sportsnet 590 the fan. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday.